Hello, my fellow citizens. You are listening to The Armed Citizen, and I'm your host, Will Foster. Today is 10 2020 and this episode is the continuation of last week's episode. Uh, I went quite a bit longer than I expected on the subjects, and uh, so now I'm picking up on a couple of other things I wanted to talk about and promise to you last week. And the first is the Colby Covington uh, story. And the reason I'm bringing that up is to point out the continued hypocrisy of the media. And, you know, the reason you should be skeptical of the media and really you should be alarmed by the media by the media. You should be very alarmed by what they're doing and what's happening in our country and what's about to happen in our country, which in our next episode, I will be going into in great detail, the coming chaos that is about to envelop the United States of America and fundamentally change it in ways that are hard to imagine. And this will affect the rest of the world. Um, and I mention that because we have listeners in uh, other countries. Uh, hello, United Kingdom. Uh, welcome to the show. We're glad you're listening. And uh, although the show is based in America and about America, uh, maybe you properly recognize that what's happening in America is going to affect the whole world. Uh, uh, or maybe you're a, an American citizen living abroad. I don't know. It doesn't give me those type of demographics. But uh, again, it affects everyone around the world. Okay, so the Colby Covington um, thing. So after Colby Covington won his fight, he, um, he made a comment about Camaro Usman. And um, Camaro, Camaro, I don't exactly know how to say his name, Usman, who is also an MMA fighter. And the statement he said was, had he gotten a call from his little tribe using smoke signals? Um, and said that uh, Woodley uh, is a um, or has been advocating for the Black Lives Matter. Um, uh, and, you know, communist Marxist. So he makes these comments. And immediately the press is all over him, calling him a racist. And um, vilifying him. And, of course, they use this opportunity to attack Dana White and say, you know, is he going to do something about these terribly racist comments? And Dana White um, said he's not going to do anything about it. They'll never muzzle uh, any of their fighters, regardless of their political views. And, uh, you know, thank God, because I've given up basketball, I've given up uh, football, and baseball, um, because they are all jumping on this bandwagon. The only thing I have left 
is uh, the UFC. And um, I mean, I guess if they start caving in and do the same thing on the UFC, I just might as well sell all my televisions and uh, quit watching TV entirely because it's all based and created uh, to brainwash me and everyone else watching it. And, um, you know, it's already to the point where I can hardly watch TV anymore. It's, it's all an agenda. You know, I, I don't have anything against the, um, the gay community. Nothing. I mean, I fully 100% believe that you have a right to live your life the way you want to live without it being interfered in uh, on by me or anyone else. You know, my opinion of how you're living uh, doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's not, shouldn't be an issue. And uh, that, you know, that's what our country is, is founded on. I don't care if you're gay. It means nothing to me. But what I do have a problem with is, I mean, what, what do you suppose the population of the gay community is in our country? I mean, if I were to base it on the people I know who identify as gay or bisexual, um, I would have to say it's like 1% um, of the population. But, you know, let's say, let's say it's 10% of the population. So, uh, if the United States is 300 million people and it's and there's 1% of the population, that means that there's 3 million gay people identifying as gay. I don't know. But let's say it's 10%. Let's say it's 30 million people. Let's say out of every 10 people you are friends with or know, one of them is gay. Okay. If, if there's some statistics out there that you know that gives a hard number to it, then be my guest. Please show me uh, that statistic. I don't have it. I haven't seen it. But to get to my point, point being that in the media and on television, every single TV show has to have a gay person on the show. Now, my question is why? Why does every single show have to have a gay person? And if the argument is, well, so that it matches our society, so there's a fair representation, you know, leave alone the um, entertainment value aspect, okay? Leave that alone. Leave it out of there. You know, what, what matters is entertainment. What, what, um, what is really, you know, television about? It's about entertainment, right? It's about uh, giving us something to enjoy. But really, it's become you know, a brainwashing or a platform for social justice. 
because every show has to have a gay person in it. And when I look at the numbers of, you know, how many people are in the show and how many are identified as gay, well, it's like 30%. So, I mean, if they're doing a representation of our society, or if that's supposed to be a representation of our society, then basically what they're saying is that 30% of the population, so one in three of every person is gay, according to television and movies. I mean, you think about it. You, the next time you're watching TV, if you haven't noticed this, just watch, okay? And my question is, why? I don't care if you're gay. I don't, I don't care. I, it's none of my business how you live your life. I'm, I'm supposed to live and happy to live in a country where I can be whatever I want to be um, without persecution as long as I'm not hurting other people. And I like that idea. And so, hey, you know, you want to you want to live your life in a certain way, that's your choice, and I support that. But what I have a problem with is the fact that you're pushing this agenda. You know, uh, kids growing up watching television. It was just this whole thing about pushing a gay narrative. You know, the population, 30% of the population. If you watch TV, you have to believe that, you know, a large amount of the people in our country are gay. Why? Why is that necessary? Why is that important? What, you know, what's the point of that? There must be a point to it, right? That's the problem I have with our media. It it's no longer about entertainment. It's about an agenda. It's about pushing a narrative. And that is the point of the Colby Covington comment here. Colby Covington, in normal media presentations, would be glorified and, uh, you know, just really given accolades in our TV for being gay. I mean, they never miss an opportunity to point out how awesome someone being gay is and how brave they are for being out of the closet and, you know, all these wonderful things about, you know, them being gay and being in the spotlight and being, you know, a gay person who is in the public eye. And Colby Covington, I mean, let's face it, when you think of, UFC and MMA, you think of butch, tough people, including the women. I mean, you look at the women, you know, some of them are like, damn, she looks more macho than many men, you know? Uh, so when you think of the UFC and MMA fighting, you think of these tough, uh, macho people. And, and here is this guy, the epitome of what, you know, I would think would be the you know, the, the bastion of the gay society of uh, the UFC. But not a word about him being gay. Not a word 
in the media. They don't say Colby Covington, the gay fighter, the homosexual fighter. No. And why is that? Well, that's easy. He's a Trump supporter. Okay? So all of this narrative that, you know, they're supporting Black Lives Matter, the minorities, the gay community, that all goes out the window the moment you're not part of the liberal left. And that's our media, 100% controlled and organized to present a narrative, a left narrative, an anti-American narrative. And so, again, Colby Covington comments about Kamaru Usman because he says, you know, he's, he's trying, and granted, I, it's a poor attempt at creating controversy, you know, uh, in, with the likes of like Conor McGregor, right? I mean, how did Conor McGregor build his um, persona? Well, it was by being controversial, saying, you know, uh, things to, you know, create controversy and, and bring his name into the light. Um, he did a fantastic job. Uh, you know, his, I mean, his fighting's been good. I, I like watching him fight, but I mean, I mean, it's not, it's not a, it's not a Khabib, right? I mean, he's, he's all right. He's done good for himself, but mostly from self-promotion. And the point being, though, here is that here's this guy that normally would be, you know, just glorified in the media because he's gay and in, in a very macho, tough sport, but there's no word about him being gay, right? I mean, they'd never miss an opportunity to point out someone being gay and glorifying it, but they do with him because he wears a MAGA hat because he's a Trump supporter. And instead, they're roasting him for saying that Usman, um, asked, because Covington asked Usman if he had gotten a call from his little tribe using smoke signals. Well, I mean, when I hear of that, I, I mean, I think of Indians, not African-Americans. But I mean... You know, I don't see that as being racist. I think that's a, a poor attempt at creating controversy. Uh, but man, they're happy to label him a racist because that's the narrative, right? Everyone who likes and supports Trump must be a racist and must be vilified. And that is our media today. I mean, just I just want you to think about that open-mindedly. Think about that. Of all the people in the world, when they talk about being gay, how they are just really honored in our media. But here's a gay fighter in the UFC, and they're, they don't mention him being gay. Why is that? I mean, ask, ask yourself those questions, right? And the reason I want you to ask yourself those questions, I just I really want to highlight, continue to highlight, the media is not your friend. The media has organized to overthrow our country. And again, I'm going to go into the next episode uh, in great detail, pin it all together for you, George Soros and this move to destroy our country. Uh, it's coming. The chaos is on the horizon. Okay, but sticking with this episode, 
I also promised to talk about the Supreme Court. Now, the Supreme Court is a huge issue. And one of the things that I really hoped Trump would be reelected for another four years was because it was obvious that uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's health was waning quickly. And she did her very best to try and survive long enough for a hopeful, I'm sure, uh, transition to a new president, a Democratic president. Um, um so that they could appoint a, a Democrat into the Supreme Court. And what I find interesting is that she said that as long as she could do the job, she was going to stay on at the Supreme Court. Well, her last days of life, weeks of life, she was not capable of doing the Supreme Court. She was too ill. She was dying of cancer and not capable of doing the job, yet she did not resign. She never resigned. And why is that? Well, because she desperately wanted another liberal to replace her. She was going to hold out as long as she could. I mean, if you think about it, if she resigned, like she said she would when she couldn't do the job, and like other Supreme Court uh, justices have done when they could no longer do the job for health reasons. Um, if she had done that, well, we would have been nominating a Supreme Court justice weeks ago. But no. No, 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 no. We want to hold that out to the very end. And that's what she did. That's what they did. That's what they wanted. And, you know, at, at the point that, she, you know, she's died, okay? There's no longer, you can't hold it up anymore. She has died. So now our president and our Senate are going to be able to confirm a justice to the Supreme Court. And this was something I mentioned uh, in the past that the, the left are, were so worried that this president was going to get to appoint another Supreme Court justice and potentially make the Supreme Court more conservative. Now, of course, the argument is that neither of the Supreme Court justices are, none of the Supreme Court justices are supposed to be leaning in any direction. They're only supposed to interpret the law. Well, if that's the case, then why is it such a huge fight? You know, why do they fight so hard to get their person into the uh, position? Well, because we know that it does affect, okay? Um, it has profound, lasting effect on our country, and it matters. And I really am happy with the things that Trump has done to help our country when it comes to international relations, the tariffs, the trade, um, immigration, uh, justice reform, the economy, 
He's done a lot of fantastic things. But the one thing I was really most worried about for Trump getting in for another four years was the justice pick, because it was obvious Ginsburg was not going to make it another four years. That wasn't going to happen. So if he got reelected, boom, we're going to get that Supreme Court nominee. And that's what I really wanted, because the president's in for four years. And then after that, who knows who you're going to get in? Who knows what the the House is going to look like, what the Senate is going to look like. But all of those things happening in our government in these co-equal branches um, are leveled out with the Supreme Court when it goes to the Supreme Court and the constitutionality of a certain argument, especially the Second Amendment. That's the one that matters to me. You know, there's a lot of things that uh, can happen in our country that, um, you know, you just kind of have to see and, and wait and, uh, you know, hope things change for the better. But the one thing none of us can tolerate is our Second Amendment rights being taken away from us. And the Supreme Court is supposed to be instrumental in upholding the Constitution and our right to bear arms. So now that Trump is going to uh, be able to put that Supreme Court justice in there, which there should be no reason it can't happen, um, although, of course, the left, the Democrats, are going to do everything they can to figure out a way to try and keep that from happening. They might be successful, but there's, there's no reason they should be able to. We'll see what happens. And so that's, that's why this, this uh, nomination is so important, why having um, Amy Coney Barrett in there um, has huge implications for our country, for our right to bear arms, for our freedom of speech, and for our country in general. I really am hoping she gets in, because in four years, who knows what Trump's going to be able to do. And in fact, on my next episode, um, I think no matter what happens, I will explain in my next episode what's about to happen in a month. I mean, you think 2020 was bad uh, so far? Man, you haven't seen nothing yet. But so the good news, hopefully, is that, um, again, Amy Coney Barrett will be um, in our uh, Supreme Court and hopefully upholding our Constitution and uh, allowing our country to survive this onslaught and attack from the media and the socialist agenda left. We'll see. But that was the importance of the Supreme Court. I believe that no matter what happened with Trump, the most important thing that's happening is what's going on in our legal system, our justice system, and how it interprets the law and our Constitution, because that really dictates what happens in our country. It's kind of the the tiebreaker, if you will. When we have a problem with the House, we have a problem with the Senate, then... um, you know, one side says it's constitutional, the other says it's not constitutional, boom, off to court it goes, and then the Supreme Court de- decides. And I want staunch constitutional supporters 
from the standpoint of the individual right, not the collective right, okay? The collective right is, you know, the socialist theme, the Chinese theme, right? What matters is not your individual right, but what is going to be good for the entire country. Well, what is good for the entire country is important, but it should not and cannot supersede your individual right to freedom and the ability to live your life. If you're not doing anything to hurt anyone specifically, directly, then you shouldn't be held down or um, have your rights taken away from you. Um, and that, you know, if, if uh, 90% of the population think that, um, you know, being black is a bad thing and should be eliminated, well, you can't do that because the individual freedoms protect that. Or if 90% of the population thinks that uh, whites are terrible and should be eliminated, again, you cannot do that because the individual's right is paramount. That's what matters, the individual right. That's what our Constitution protects so that the collective cannot be a tyranny on the individual. Individual rights, that's what matters. That's what our Constitution protects. It's the most precious part of our constitutional government, our constitutional system. So that is why I'm happy the Supreme Court is about to be filled with a conservative justice uh, because it has implications for uh, at least a generation. Um, and what happens in our Congress and in our presidency um, is affected by the Supreme Court. So if Trump is successful in getting this uh, justice appointed, then really the most important part of his re-election for four years has already been accomplished. And that's the point of today's discussion about the Supreme Court. All right, we've already almost hit the half hour mark. Uh, it's amazing how quick it goes by. Uh, I apologize for the extraneous background noises happening around me. Uh, maybe someday I'll, I'll make an actual studio instead of just talking to you on my laptop in my living room on my couch. Um, do it a little more professional. Uh, in any case, I really want to uh, um, uh, encourage you to tune in to the next episode where we will be talking about the election that's about to happen. And not the election itself, but the coming chaos around the election that has been planned for quite some time. I'm going to break it down to you uh, as best as I can in the shortest amount of time that I can. Um, you're going to need to do your own legwork. I will provide you with the information and the sources, but I beg you to look at everything I provide you with as far as the information and, uh, you know, I dare you to prove me wrong. Uh, it's not going to happen. I want you to educate yourself. Don't take my word for it. 
educate yourself. Take the information I give you, confirm it or uh, dispute it, whichever. I don't care. As long as you're taking the time to actually look at what is happening, then you will be educated. You will know the truth and you won't be another one of the sheep just listening to the media telling them what they're supposed to believe. Don't be that person. Be informed. Know what's happening. Know the truth. Okay. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it, you folks in Florida and Texas and uh, California and uh, even in the UK. We really uh, appreciate your listener participation. And please feel free to leave me a message. When you click on the Anchor uh, podcasts, if you look at the main um, uh, episodes uh, or the main um, page, you'll see that there is a, a uh, uh, link to leave me a voice message. Please, please do that. Give me your feedback. Uh, if you don't agree with me, say so. If you have something you want me to check out, say so. Encouragement, discouragement, whatever. Just give me some feedback. Um, let's have a conversation. Let's have dialogue. All right. Thanks again. Have a wonderful day.